The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. in the mail, by the way, since you gave me an easy one, so it's all good. I invite your attention this morning to Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29, Romans 8, 28 and 29, and as you're turning there, if you're new or if you forgot your Bible, uh, that's on page 944 in the blue pew Bible, 944 in the blue pew Bible. Uh, just one more uh, a commercial, if I may, just before we get started. Uh, this Thursday, uh, in an effort to get the word out about VBS and knock on doors and such, uh, we'll be leaving here at the church at 10 a.m. just to walk around different neighborhoods and put door hangers on doors. We're not actually going to be knocking on doors, but uh, we'll have a door hanger with church inv- inv- invitation as well as a VBS invitation and a gospel track. If you'd like to join me in that, I know it's going to be hot. Uh, it's going to be very hot indeed, but at 10 a.m. this Thursday, we can start walking around. We'll hit Gracemore on the backside of Maple Park is where we will be if you're interested in helping with that. Uh, 10 to about 2 p.m. that day. It's hot outside, isn't it? Amen. It is hot outside, and it makes you just want to jump in a pool. That's what I keep thinking about. But you know, friends, we've had a hot topic as we talked about the last week. I've had many of you come up just before we get started uh, with feedback about last week. Thank you uh, for your prayerful feedback about last week's topic. As many of you know, we've been in the topic of what is divorce and remarriage, and these are questions that you have asked as a congregation and that the uh, deacons have studied as well. And these are very tough topics, and uh, I so appreciate you as a congregation because you are not afraid to tackle hard issues, things the Bible talks about. They, not necessarily hard, but uh, things that are so uh, misconstrued in our, in our nation today. So thank you for your patience and your prayers. Uh, I have felt them this week, truly, because I, I, the sermon I'm preaching now is not the sermon I started out with on Tuesday afternoon when I went off site to go prepare. I've ripped up the sermon about three or four different times, and as a pastor, you hear about these stories. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to get to a point where you don't want to say it a certain way. Well, uh, this sermon I'm about to give is one that has come after three or four revisions. I want you to know that. So um, just know you're getting your full money's worth. You're eating like four sermons in one, kind of, but with a little bit different twist. And so as I was thinking through this week and talking with my wise wife, and she is very wise, you know, we, we hit divorce very hard last week. And there's so much you can say about divorce, about remarriage, about this whole issue that I wanted to spend some time reminding ourselves this morning what the purpose of marriage is and take it from that angle. But do it in a different way. If you've turned your Bible to Romans 8, 28, 28, 29, you're probably thinking, marriage, these verses, how does all that work out? Well, that's what I want to talk about this morning because I think it's very important. Because I was reminded through the scriptures this week about the purpose of marriage and what it's all about. And we'll talk about those things. And then at the very end, at the conclusion, I'll give you a few thoughts about divorce and remarriage based on all that we studied. But like I said, we're going to do things a little bit differently today. So instead of reading about seven or eight minutes after the goofy story I always give and everything else, we're going to do it right now. Is that okay? Would you join me in standing for the reading of God's word this morning? In Romans eight twenty-eight and 29. Romans eight twenty-eight. And 29. As usual, we'll be reading out of the same Pew Bible translation, the ESV, English Standard Version. And Paul writes this. This is mid-sentence, uh, almost, and mid-book, and mid-argument. But 
we'll, we'll build up to that. Romans 8, 28, 29, the purpose of marriage. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that they may be the firstborn among many brethren. Let me just read that again, both verses. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he, that's God, foreknew, he, that's God, also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I want to take that phrase, and this is a different type of sermon, I will promise you that, not one I usually give. We don't have the three points alliterated and all the things we try to do. But I want to focus on the purpose of marriage with that phrase, to be conformed to the image of his son. That's where we're headed today. I apologize, no PowerPoint. If I've revised a sermon three or four or five times, you better believe how many times that PowerPoint went through a revision. So listen carefully, listen attentively, but let's go before the Lord as we pray. Father, as we talk about the purpose of marriage today, I know there are many folks in this room who are not married. Father, who have never been married. And I pray, especially for them today, as they look towards that someday, whether they're a teenager or early 20s or maybe even older in life, that you would put that purpose in mind. Father, for those of us who are married, I pray, as this is so often done for me this week, to remind us of why we are doing what we're doing, Father, and why we're not doing what we shouldn't be doing, and vice versa, Lord. Father, for those who have been through divorce or remarriage, or Father, I pray that this would be a, a fresh reminder from your word. Father, that your, your word would come and comfort, your word would challenge, and your word would convict all through the power and ministry and presence of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, Lord. That's our prayer this morning. Thank you for your word. We love you so much, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Romans 8.28, this is a great, as I like to say, because I grew up in part of my life in Liberty, I live there now, it's a good Hallmark card verse, isn't it? Romans 8.28, for we know that God loves, uh, those who love God, all things work together for His good, for those who are called according to His purpose. But friends, as we start uh, off with the purpose of marriages, I want you to know this is the declaration of comfort and strength for the Christian. God works out absolutely everything, anytime, anywhere, no matter what the situation, for the good of his children. But the big question is, what is that good? Well, the charismatic movement tells us that God does everything to make us rich, or does everything to make us healthy, or does everything so we don't have to suffer. But look at God's ultimate purpose there in verse 29. Again, we're going to focus on that phrase for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, and here's the phrase, if you're an underliner, be conformed to the image of his son. Friends, that is the great purpose of everything in our lives, is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That is the great goal of what God is doing in your life, no matter what you're facing here today, whether you're single, you're married, you're divorced, you're remarried, you're somewhere in between, that is the great goal of life, is that God would make you more like Jesus. But the question is, is that your goal? Is that the goal, married folks, for your marriage? Single person, as you prepare yourself, and you need to prepare yourself for marriage someday, even as a teenager, what you look for, who are you going to marry, who are you going to date, is that your great desire? Is the greatest passion of your life to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ? And are you willing to accept anything that is the will of God to make you more like Jesus Christ? You know, some of you are in pain right now, and I, I was joking with the guys in the men's prayer group this morning. I felt a little bit about that. I'm a small guy. I don't have to tell you that. 
And I, I was helping a friend move on Friday, and uh, they were in one of those big rent trucks, probably like you guys are getting ready to do, Blake. And he handed me something, and here I am thinking I'm going to hand this thing, and I just felt my back go, boom. You know that feeling you get? And it wasn't a back issue. I've got long-standing muscle problems from running too many marathons. But, you know, I felt that pain. And uh, my, wife, uh, my wife was hearing me moan and groan all night on Friday night, and I felt like she had to push me over at times just to help me to move and get out of bed. And, you know, Tylenol is a great thing, amen? <laughs> God is good. But, you know, some of you are in so much pain that when you go to the, the, the detector at the uh, metal detector, you set it off every time because you've got so much metal chinks in you. You know what it's like to live in pain. What is the purpose of all that pain? What is the purpose of, of a hard marriage, of a hard wife or, or life or vice versa? The purpose is to do just that, to conform you to the image of God's Son. And trust me, when I was tossing and turning in our house every night, I thought, Lord, I guess this is what it means that you're bringing the sermon home because I'm feeling it today. You see, you must have the same goal, folks, in your marriage that God has, that your name be hallowed, your kingdom come, Father, your will be done. So our attitude should be something like this. Father, if through prospering me economically or prospering me with health or whatever it is, your kingdom can be advanced, then great. God, do it. Bring it on. That's the prayer of Jabez in a biblical way, not an unbiblical way like the book was. But Father, if through my poverty you make me more like Christ and glorify your name and advance your kingdom, then Lord, make me poor forever. Father, if you can get glory by healing me of whatever it is, healing my marriage, then do it. But if through the sickness, but if through the pain, but if through the hardship you advance your kingdom, then let me suffer for your name. Because a thousand years later, friends, we're not going to be worried about what happened on some random day. We're going to be asking this question, was my faith worth the eternal value that Christ died for? Friends, if your greatest goal is to be conformed to the image of Christ, then that is what you will pursue. That is what you will pursue. But if it's not, that's not what you will pursue. See, Darren, what in the world does that have to do with marriage? Friends, it has everything to do with marriage. Because if you lose that focus of your marriage, of your relationship, then you have lost absolutely everything else that God has called you to. What is the purpose of your marriage, husband? What is the purpose of your marriage, wife, single person here today? What is the purpose of your marriage someday if God blesses you with that? The same thing, to conform you to the image of Christ. That big idea that's usually up on the screen, I'll read it for you. It's in your bulletin. Marriage is shaping, is God's shaping agent that helps us turn into our future glories in Christ. You know, some of you are married here today and you are really struggling. I mean, super struggling. You don't know if there's going to be any hope for your marriage. You say you and your wife just aren't compatible and, you know, she doesn't meet your needs, you don't meet her needs, we just don't see the same things. You may be asking that question, did I marry the right person? I mean, really, maybe that's passed through your mind, honestly. Marriage isn't what you thought it would be. The problem is, folks, we have a wrong view about marriage, don't we? We have a view that Hollywood brings to it, that the fairy tales bring to it, that, uh, that come from TV and, and don't come from the Bible. I don't know if I'm supposed to say their name, but it reminds me of that eHarmony commercial. You remember eHarmony? And you got that guy, I think his name's Les on there. He's got the, you know, if you fill out this profile, I want to tell you a joke, and it's true, and you can laugh at me. My wife will remember this. When I was signing up for dating services, I, I filled out the eHarmony profile. I'm like, man, I'm going to nail this thing. At the end, I hit submit, and I got that message that says, you are such a special person. You're less than 5% of people we cannot find a match for on our site. <laughs> Praise the Lord, because I found my wife other means. So. But, you know, don't these places like eHarmony tell you that you want to find someone just like yourself? Go on a date with them. 
The main thing is to find someone who's compatible like you, that's just like you. And for some of you, that's a scary thought, right? They like everything you like. They like pizza. You like pizza. You like cats. They like cats. You like to run. They like to run. But friends, that's not always the will of God, is it? Especially for a marriage. Rarely will God give you a mate that conforms you to Christ that is just like you. Why is that? Because he hates you? Because he wants to play an eHarmony joke on you? No. He has a greater purpose for your life and for your marriage. He really does. Two people who are very incompatible, even he lets them not realize it until they're married. Because if, you, if you've been married, you know that's true. You know you get that little thing over your face that says, man, this isn't going to be perfect. We're going to like walk on the beach every night and light candles every day. And we're going to, you know, it's going to be perfect. There's going to be a five-course meal every night just like there was on the honeymoon. Now, if you have that, praise the Lord. Amen? <laughs> but for most of you, that's not reality. And that's okay. That's not real life. It's almost like a blindfold was on you, and after you got married, he pulls it away, and you say, what have you done, God? But God desires you, Christian, to be like who? To be like Jesus Christ. What's so special about Jesus? We sing about it all the time. There are three things that are so special about Christ, especially. We sing about his grace. We sing about his mercy, and we sing about his love. Do you want to be more like Jesus in your marriage? To prevent divorce, to not get divorced someday, then you must be full of grace. You must be full of mercy, and you must be full of unconditional love. Well, let's define those terms for everyone. Mercy is when you don't give someone what they deserve. Someone treats you poorly, and you follow mama's advice that came from the Bible that says you don't treat them the same, right? That's mercy. And grace is when you give someone they, something they don't deserve. And unconditional love is when you love someone that doesn't meet all the conditions, whether those are your conditions or whatever. Men, let me talk to you for a second. Actually, most of this is going to be directed towards the men through the sermon, but men especially. You had in your mind, and please hear, this is not any knock on my wife or anyone's wife, but men, I think we all had a list in our minds, didn't we, about the perfect woman in our life. Guys, be honest. Raise your, who is man enough to raise your hand? You had a perfect list in your life. Matt, myself, and like two other guys. Okay. Thank you for being honest. But friends, there's a problem. If there was a perfect woman, guys, she probably wouldn't have married you and she probably wouldn't have married me. Amen? <laughs> this is the pre-Father's Day sermon. I just want you to know that. We have an idea of what perfect would be. We really want something. But we marry someone that doesn't meet all of our conditions. And many times she doesn't meet the conditions that are important to us. And this is not a knock on my wife or anyone else's wife. This is just reality. What is God doing? Friends, this is when God sets up your marriage to remind you of the purpose of marriage. This very verse that God is doing all things and bringing them all under this phrase to make you more like Jesus. Ladies, your husband isn't perfect. Amen? Okay, more amens on that than I've had in a year and a half here. So, But he fails often. He doesn't meet all the conditions. But ladies, God is teaching you to love unconditionally when your husband doesn't meet all the conditions you have for him. What's the most marvelous thing about God is that he doesn't give us what we deserve, friends. If you were to read all of Romans, you know that the book of Romans is about this. For all have sinned and fall, all fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We deserve hell and he doesn't give it to us. What unconditional love that is. He does give us what we don't deserve. He gives us himself. He gives us heaven and he gives it to us in Christ but God also loves us even when we don't meet all the conditions. Have you ever thought about that? Blake changed some wording, if I don't mind. This is not on script. But Blake changed some words in a couple of songs we sang because the words tended to make it think it was all about me. 
Why did he do that? Because God's unconditional love means we don't meet any of the conditions. God met it all in Christ, and that is why everything we do in marriage goes back to who he is. Do you want to be more like God in your marriage, sir, ma'am? Then you and I must learn to do the same. We are brought into the marriage to love a person who sometimes doesn't meet all of our list, all of our conditions. And trust me, I, my wife, I, she says I, she had to sign a six-page paper. I think it was five. But we talked through these conditions, didn't we, about dating and things. And she thought she was signing her life away. And she did. Amen. Thank God for that. But you know what? My wife may not meet all my conditions, but I guarantee you here, I'd double that on her side. But what is the purpose of marriage? Not that she meets all my conditions or I meet all of hers, but that we might learn to be like Christ together when we don't meet each other's conditions and we go to the one who does and has perfectly done it in Christ. That's why when most people come to marriage with marriage problems and someone will say, she doesn't love me anymore, she hates me, she doesn't meet my needs. And the one thing I'll tell back to them, usually in a soft pastoral voice, of course, is you need to go repent. For what? For your self-centeredness? For your selfishness? You're not supposed to love her because she meets your needs. You're not supposed to love her because you have romantic thoughts. You're supposed to love her because you made a covenant with God and you want to be more like Christ. Do you see that difference, church? What if you're married to a difficult person here today? There may be seeming to be a limit in all these things. They, they don't want to serve the Lord. Your, your, your life literally is miserable. And, and you say, I'm getting a divorce. There's no purpose for me in this suffering, pastor. I'm done. Friends, all of this is to make you more like who? Like Christ. What if you have to decide what is more important to you, to live a fairy tale marriage that Hollywood says that you'll never have any problems, you'll never have any bad things in your life, or to remember that sometimes through those rubs that you have against each other, that it's making you more like Christ. And if I can remind us here today, marriage is a calling. Did you see the verse here? And I, I know this is not always in the context we're focusing on the phrase, but it is God who called you according to his purpose. You know, I feel like Jonah sometimes is a preacher because you remember the story of Jonah. We studied it last September. Jonah ran away. Big fish comes swallowing him up, spits him out, right? Sometimes as a pastor, you feel that way. But sometimes as a pastor, you come and you look at a text and you say, it would be so much easier if I was just working an eight-to-five job, doing this, doing that, go home, never have to worry about these things. Friends, ministry is a calling. If you're considering ministry here, let me just tell you, you don't get in ministry for whatever other reason except God himself has called you. There are great blessings, Amen. But there are also challenges. But friends, marriage is also a calling. Marriage is a calling. God has called me to lay down my life for his daughter, my wife. God has called me, whether she does anything in return or not, whether she meets my conditions or not, whether she is a person I want her to be at that moment or not, God has called me to do what? To lay down my life. And in obedience to God, I never have an excuse not to love her, husbands. Well, she just doesn't cook as well as she used to. Well, that's a petty excuse not to love your wife. I'm going to go over that five-star guy. That wife cooks her a five-star meal every night. Well, praise the Lord, she does. But I bet your wife's cooking isn't as bad as you think it is. Amen? Husbands, God has called you. God has called you. But if my marriage is based on her and she fails me, then I have excuses. She's not the wife. I'm out of here. She doesn't meet my needs. I'm out of here. She doesn't treat me with respect. I'm out of here. If my marriage is based on her marriage to me, I won't be like Christ. But if my marriage is based on God's unchanging call that he's given me, that when I said those vows, then I will always be required to act as Christ has acted. Say, man, 
Darren, I'm going to take a page out of the disciples, Matthew 19, 10. If this is the way marriage is, then why would anyone ever want to get married? Isn't marriage really morbid and sad, Pastor? I didn't say this is the fullness of marriage. I said this is the foundation of marriage, folks. I love my wife. I have a beautiful wife. I have a great marriage, but this isn't the foundation. Look, if my wife is in an accident and deformed, as sad as that thought may be, I'm not leaving her because of that. Hollywood would say, get out of here, go find someone more young and beautiful. But no, I love my wife because it's based on an eternal command that God gave me. You are going to be committed to her for life, for life. Single people, addressing you a lot because I didn't hear a lot of addressing single people when I was growing up. Please hear me, young people. Be very careful who you marry. It is a serious thing. It is not just puppy love that translates into that. Look, my wife and I love each other. I love her more every day, although I'm not perfect in showing that at times, more than I did six years ago. But you better believe if something happens to her, I'm not leaving her because she looks bad in an accident. Or let's reverse that. Uh, you know, if she's in an accident and, uh, or she's not in an accident and she's great, but a younger person comes along and she starts to flirt with the pastor, am I going to leave? No. Ludicrous. But that's a, nine out of ten every Hollywood stories that we watch, isn't it? Is that very action. Friends, my wife is wonderful and sweet. If she acts mean or bitter, I'm still not going anywhere. If she hates the Missouri Tigers, as petty as that sounds, I'm not going anywhere. I love my wife. But do you see how often in our culture those lines are blurred? Especially Christian, do not forget this. The purpose of your marriage is to make you more like Jesus Christ. Let me flip the script. I have a pretty daughter. She's the prettiest girl in the world. If anyone ever tries to hurt her, I'll go Old Testament on him, okay? <laughs> and I'm serious about that. I'll run you over and I'll sing praise the Lord and I'll repent at the funeral or during the courthouse, okay? <laughs> I love my daughter. I don't need a gun. I have a, I have a Hyundai Elantra. It goes just fine, okay? <laughs> you want to be my friend? Be nice to my daughter. You want to be my enemy? Be mean to my daughter. That's how much I love her. Husbands, let me remind you here today, future husbands, you, if you're married to a Christian woman, you are married to one of God's daughters. He takes that seriously. The worst thing you can ever do is mistreat that woman. Look, if I fail at ministry, God have mercy on my soul, he will forgive me. If I have, don't study the Bible as I ought to, then God have mercy on me. But you hurt one of his daughters, be afraid. Husband, you've been given a high charge. Matt read the scripture, and we're going to go there in just a minute. You're to lay down your wife for your wife. That is the purpose of marriage. Hold your spot there. Flip over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, if you will, in your Bibles. 522. I just want to go over these verses. I told you it's going to be a different type of sermon, but I hope that you see that when we talk about divorce, when we talk about remarriage, and we talk about these things, these are not just get-out-of-jail-monopoly-type free cards. That if you are in a marriage, that is a serious thing before the eyes of God. It is a very serious thing. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 and following. Won't be going through all the, 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 the breakdowns of the sentence. It's just told you this has been a different sermon week for me on many levels. But here it is. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself his Savior. Himself his Savior. Look, I'm just going to be honest here. The Bible clearly teaches there is no doubt that the husband is the head of the wife. Ladies, you may disagree, but it doesn't matter. This is what the Bible says. The husband is the head of the wife. That's what the Bible says. Now, men, 
Listen, this does not mean you pull out your King Kong and you start saying, I'm the head of the house, I'm king. Listen to me, hear me roar. It's not what we're saying. It's not what the Bible says. You're not, you're not like Caesar was over Rome or whatever kingdom. Head over the families like Christ is head over the church. And men, let me remind you today that before his death, in John 13, Jesus wiped the disciples' feet, didn't he? He served his church. He gave his life for his church. Now, head of the family is difficult to understand. I get that. But a husband is to lead his wife, and she is to respect his leadership. But what is the purpose, husband, of you leading your wife, as the Bible says? If a wife looks at her husband and sees a self-centered man who does everything for himself, who makes everything about him, and his leadership gets what he wants, she's going to be a bitter, angry woman, isn't she? But if that wife equally sees a man who, whose husband is given to the obedience of the will of God, who wants to advance God's kingdom, who wants to do it all for the glory of God and the benefit of his wife and his children, if they're blessed with children, it'll be a lot easier for her to respect and submit to that person, won't it? The purpose of marriage is to conform you to the image of Christ, but that doesn't mean I am the Lord of my wife or the dictator of my home at 1162 Bluebird. It does mean I have biblical authority. Let's say we have to make a big decision in our home. What do we do? How do you do this? As the head of the home, do I just make the decision? No, I don't. I go to my wife. We pray about it. We talk about it. And if we pray and agree, we make that decision. Sounds pretty easy. But what if there's just disagreement between us? What if, uh, as the head of the home, I just go back and say, I'm going to make this decision, and that's final, and that's the way it's going to be. That's not the way it is. The Bible says, when my wife doesn't agree with something, men, that should raise a red flag in our minds. And my wife, bless her heart, I've told you a story before. There was a church, and I'm going to name it publicly. There was a church that we were very close in going to be a full-time pastor at. Really were. And my wife being pregnant with Scarlett at that time, I remember very clearly her. I was coming home from work, and she was bawling her eyes out. And my wife is a tough woman, and she was serious about this. This is not where we need to go. The man inside of me, the minister man, the pastor man who wanted to be the pastor of the church, wanted inside of me to say, no, we're going here because this is what we're going to do. And I'm grateful for my wife being so pregnant at the time and having such wise words to say, no, this is not where it's at. And we agree that this was not the will of God for us at that time. And I'm so grateful because God brought us here. And we're so happy here. But what if there's no unity and you're trying to make a decision? What if you must decide then I'm going to use a word. This is a terrible responsibility for husbands to make. Not terrible, because it's terrible, but it's a tough responsibility. If I'm right and I go ahead without my wife's direction and I'm wrong, husbands, I don't go up to her and say, ah, I told you so. That'll get you in the dog. We have an extra room in our basement if that happens. You can come live with us. <laughs> if I'm wrong, she, ladies, that doesn't mean you go to her or go to him and say, you were wrong. The decision has to be made. But if I'm leading my family and I'm wrong, I have to answer, husbands, remember, before the throne of God. And if that doesn't make you shake in your boots, I don't know what does. Because of that, my wife so faithfully prays for me. And she has pity on me because she knows I have to give account not only to our family, but before the Lord. And that is the purpose of our marriage, to make all things to conform to Christ. And if I make the wrong decision, I hurt my family. Does God give me grace? Sure. Does God forgive? Sure. Does my wife forgive? Sure. That's how serious God takes this thing we call marriage at a very practical level. And if I'm a husband who's not a spiritual man and isn't renewing his mind, my mind, to know the will of God, then my family is especially in danger. Men, an unspiritual man is like a drunk driving on the Missouri River at night 
with your children in the back, not seeing all the little bumps that are in the sandbars and things. It's just, you're going crazy. Look, as a husband, I must lead with compassion and not self-centeredness. Look at verse 25. I'm going to skip a couple of verses, but look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How do I lead my life, wife, in love? The love of Christ because he died for his church. My obligation is to lay down my life for my wife. The Bible never says to lay down my life at the altar of ministry. I appreciate Deb Elam so much because she knows that oftentimes... My wife will tell me this, and Deb has so often saying, are you taking on too much, Pastor? I appreciate that. I've had other people say that. Are you taking on too much? Please feel free to ask that question at any time. Because I'm to lay it down, not for ministry, but for my wife. Notice the Bible never tells me to lay down my life for my kids. We love our kids. It says to lay down my, my life for who? My wife. My wife. As a husband, the most important person to me is not Simeon or Scarlett or whoever else the Lord may bring us, if we have such an opportunity. It is my wife. Husbands, that's hard to hear. I know. But the purpose of marriage is to put you in that particular situation so you'll be more like Jesus. Ladies, let me flip the script on this a little bit. You know, it's often been said, and I think I've said it from the pulpit publicly, there's no love but a mother's love. And that's not biblical, but it might be in a car, but it's not very biblical. And let me tell you why. And I'm going to say something that may, ladies, that may make you a little bit mad, but before you throw rocks or heels at me, those hurt too, Please hear this out. Don't throw things out here in the whole thing. Do you know why most women say that no love but a mother's love is true? It's because they have lived vicariously attaching on to their children instead of receiving the love that they should through their husband. Most husbands do not give themselves to their lives. They don't lead them spiritually. They don't lay down their lives for their wives. They don't meet the needs of their lives. And all that love, all that compassion, and all that support that the wives are supposed to give back to husbands and, and somewhat to kids, they go to their kids. The tenderness they don't get from their kids, they go, or from their husband, they get from their kids. The problems that they can't seem to get solved with their husbands, they just go and hang out more with their kids. Husband, the most important person in your life, according to the Bible, is your who? Your wife. Your wife. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Does this mean you be a derelict father? No. Single people, if you have kids, you, are, you have very important priorities. But please hear me. I am commanded to lay down my life for my wife. Now, senior leaders are pulling out that card saying, yep, 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 pastor told me. I'm queen of this place here. You listen. You've been treating me, my wife, so badly, husband. Darren said so from the pulpit. It must, it must be gospel. Well, I don't know your particular marriage or all the ins and outs, but what I do know is this is that what is the reason that a husband's to lay down her wife, I keep saying wife, life for his wife, tongue twister, verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Wife, you are not to run that, run that household. And if your husband is having trouble with this, I encourage you to read 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7. You pray for him. You live that quiet life. You let him lead. He is going to make mistakes. Any husband in here knows you're going to make mistakes that cost. And those need to be dealt with. But husbands, we are called to imitate Christ and be examples to our lives. Wives, we are called to disciple our wives. We're called to saturate them with the water of God's word so they may grow in the conformity of Christ. And I had to look myself in the mirror this week and ask this question, how much time, Darren, do you dedicate to disciplining your wife spiritually? You say, wow, that's an interesting household. 
Not like that. Husbands, your call is to lead your wife spiritually. Does your wife have full assurance of salvation? Is she happy in the Lord? Is she growing in Christ? And is that big question we've been hitting around, is she growing in conformity to the image of God? And some of you men are taking notes. You're like, oh man, the good husband, Emmanuel, Pastor Darren's saying this. Look, some of you are going to say, we're going to go home today. We're going to listen to five hours of sermons, have a three-hour Bible study. And if the kids are overtired, we're just going to go to bed anyway and let them cry asleep because pastor said I got to make up for lost time. I didn't say that. <laughs> Reflecting Christ in your life is the goal. Look, if you want to listen to sermons for five hours, there's a lot worse things in life you could do because that'll make you more godly, I believe. But as you study together, you are brother and sister in Christ. Natalie's my wife, but she's also my sister in Christ. And with the wife and the word, we are encouraged to grow each other. Say, Darren, that's hard work. I don't have time for that. You have a lot of people trying to run around to reform the church today. Look, there's a lot of things at this Southern Baptist Convention. I give you a list in our convention that we are blessed with and a list of challenges we need to address. But one thing that is very biblical is that in the things God's commanded us to do, we are so slack on, aren't we? Husbands, lead your wife spiritually. Maybe that is just reading your scriptures together. Maybe that's praying. Do all those things. But if you've been married for a while and your wife isn't pleasing to you, it's probably your fault, husband told you I was going to knock on men today, didn't I? Husbands, women, and don't use that for an excuse either. I'm serious. You were called to respect your husband, whether he is worthy or not. Why does Jesus sanctify the church? Look at verse 27. It says, so he might present her without, uh, present uh, the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Look, Jesus is working on her, his, her bride to make her beautiful and pleasing to him. And in the same way, husbands, you need to be an example. You need to teach your wife. You need to love her so that she may be more like Christ. And if you're a godly man, she will be more pleasing to you because you are leading her in the way that God has told you to lead her. That is the purpose of marriage. Listen, your wife only has one Savior husband, and it's not you. Ladies, if you're trying to find fulfillment in your husband to complete you, you will never find it. Husbands, if you are trying to find your wife to complete you, you will never find it. You'll be, you'll be like the guy trying to find the end of the rainbow with a little leprechaun and the gold at the end. That's fake. That's not true. Don't go there. You will find completeness when you have and remember what Christ has done for you. And he has saved you, husband, so you can lead your wife. That is the purpose of marriage. That is the purpose of marriage. Have you ever noticed how some women, when they get married, are like a flower that opens so bright and afterwards starts wilting away. Have you noticed that before? Why is that? There's less joy and color in their face and all the dreams they had as a little girl with this perfect marriage, it's gone. And, you know, sometimes life's hard and, and you can count on the fact that probably, most likely, that husband is not fulfilling, if he's a Christian especially, the duties that God has called him to do. Some grow like a flower after marriage. Part of that is the ministry of her husband. You know, I heard about a uh, father in Africa. I think it's very apropos to our thing. A father in Africa who had a non-pretty daughter. And back in Africa, when a young man wants to marry a daughter, he has to give a prize. And the highest gift in this particular African village you could give were eight cows, okay? Eight cows, you got that? Eight cows. An eight-cow wife is like the trophy, like the one that has the five-course meal. There's not a speck of dust. Their kids never get mad. You know, that, that, that's like the eight-cow wife. You get what I'm saying? Well, this man had a daughter, quite frankly, who was not very pretty at all. And he was happy just to get a chicken or a goat from her, let alone eight cows. And, or a hamster. Any, I mean, whatever. Just bring me something. 
And one day a young man shows up and knocks on the door and says, I want to marry your wife. Or marry your wife, marry your daughter. <laughs> I don't know what part of Africa that was. but And, 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 the, and he said, I want to marry your daughter. And he said, Father, the father said, I, I, I didn't ask for anything, just take her. I mean, this based on a missionary search, just take her. And, and what will you give? What, what are you going to give? And the, the young man said, he said, I want to give you eight cows. And everyone in the village is like, man, you're crazy. No one does that, especially for her. Really? Are you going to do that? Why are you giving eight cows? And he made a, he made a statement. as a missionary story. He said, I always wanted an eight-cow wife. So I gave eight cows. And guess what? I got an eight-cow wife. That's beautiful. Because eventually, husband, your wife is more beautiful now if you've been married for some time than she was at that altar when you picked her. Your wife is an eight-cow wife in the hands of the Lord because she's the most beautiful woman in the village that you have. Friends, don't think your wife is worth any less. Friends, husbands, your wife lives in a horrible world. Your, your wife lives in a world where images of women are print, put on magazines and on websites that in five seconds you can desecrate your marriage and have sin. And sometimes your wife compares herself to these things, husband, future husband. And the world tells her she must be a supermodel to have romance and to anyone that is passionate about her, and, 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 and then you and I as husbands just sit around and we take that for granted. We take her for granted, don't we? She dries up more and more like that flower. She starts to wither away. Do you see how horrible that is? Men, you say, I provide clothes and a house for my wife. Doesn't that make her more like Jesus Christ? Well, thank you, Mr. Neanderthal. That is correct. <laughs> you are helping. But friends, is that your only job? No, man, as a job... You get up early and you work hard and you work hard and you come home and your work starts. And I know this is something that I need to work on even more, but you take care of the needs of your wife and your kids. You go to bed and you get up and you do it again and again and again and again and again to be a biblical husband. Doesn't sound like a great job after all, husbands, does it? But it's what God calls us to because he's a great God, amen? And that is our call. Your family, husband, is not an extension of you or someone else. You... You exist to be a blessing. And when they bury your worn out, tired body, you're going to have a smug look on your face because you know that you laid everything you had on the altar for Christ. And by extension, he used that for the glorification of his name and your family, through your wife, through your kids. Through your wife and through your kids. Friends, our number one call as husbands, and I'm talking to the men here today in marriage, is to nourish and cherish our wives. Our wives should flower, husbands, at home, future husbands. Just what you do to date a girl now to get her married and get that ring on her finger is only an ounce of what you're called to do as a husband. Some of you may not want to ever get married if you're not married yet. I understand that. But do you remember when you first met your wife, husband? I do. I remember the first date we went on. Natalie and I picked up a dead frog in the middle of Oklahoma City. As I was trying to be all cutesy and crazy and everything else, and, you know, you would open up, you, we'd be such gentlemen at that time when we'd open a door. Man, if there was a mud puddle, forget laying down our coat like those old guys. We'd lay down in that mud puddle. It was that good. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then after you get married, she's standing at the door looking at you, and all we can say is, what? And she's like, you know, the door. Well, yeah, I took it to the mechanic last week, and it works just fine. Look, you can open it up yourself, you know. <laughs> Do you see how far we strayed? What is the purpose of marriage? Husband, the purpose of marriage is to be more like Christ. 
and I think a lot of husbands struggle with this. The only time, and I'm going to just say this, but the only time some men hug and kiss their wives is before sex. I'm just going to say that. It makes your wife feel so cheap, doesn't it? When was the last time, husbands, you just held your wife just to hold her? You held her hand just to hold her? You cherished her just to cherish her? And just looked at her hand, studied her face, just like you did when you laid down on that mud pod pile. Because some of you have lost that. Christian life can be quite wonderful, but when we talk about divorce and remarriage, I want you to know that sometimes the greatest deterrent to divorce and remarriage is just remembering you're not always going to have a perfect wife. Husband, wife, you're not always going to have a perfect wife. Or husband, you're not always going to have a perfect wife. <sighs> I'm telling you, this heat in June is really messing with a lot of things. <laughs> but is that your call? Dad, sometimes your daughter is going to marry the only guy they know in their life, and that's you. Your daughter isn't going to marry a man higher than yourself. If your daughter only sees a father that is just there and doesn't care or doesn't cherish his wife or cherish uh, the, the woman, she'll say, that's just how men are, and she'll settle for less. But if you want, when that sleazy guy comes by knocking on your door, and you're, you're getting the shotgun and the Hyundai Elantra ready, and you say, you want a daughter who wants to step up in front of you and say, look at that guy. You're a little boy. You know nothing about love. You're not even a Christ-like guy. My daddy loves my mom. She cherishes, he cherishes her. My mom's a treasure, and she, he still opens the door, broken or not, and he still does those things. And you walk in here with that pimple face and tell me you love me, and you better hit the road. If you want that type of daughter, husband, if you're father, it starts with loving your wife as Christ loved the church. It starts with doing what God has called you to do. As pastor, I'm not saying I'm perfect in that. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Pray for me in that. What a high calling that is, husbands. And I'm not saying it's easy, husbands, either. But what we claim to be is something that God wants us to be. Is that who we are? That is the purpose of marriage. Some of you are considering divorce here today. You have family considering divorce because it's hard. Friends, marriage is hard. The pastor doesn't have a perfect marriage. You don't have a perfect marriage. No one has a perfect marriage. That will only happen when Christ comes back, whenever that is, and he marries his bride that he died and gave his life for. That will be the perfect marriage. Amen? That is when Christ returns. You don't have a perfect marriage. You never will. Stop chasing the Joneses. Stop following Hollywood. Stop doing, do what God has called you to do in the Bible. Do it faithfully. Do it well. Do it humbly. Do it all for his glory, pointing it back to the gospel, and you will do well, sir. And I'm pointing ten fingers back at myself. Wives, you will do well when a husband leads you well. Will you pray for your husband? Some of you gave up praying on your husband. Man, I tried to convince him, Pastor, and he's just not coming. Will you keep praying for your husband, ladies? Or if you're a single woman here today, would you keep praying for your future husband? Can I just say something to the single ladies here today? I know there's some. I'm trying to pick my words carefully here, but your husband, single ladies, whoever he is, will have an unbelievable influence on your sons, on your daughters, in regards to spiritual things. Have you ever thought about that? If you want your children to love Jesus deeply, then you hold out for a man that is godly. Ladies of Christ, do not give in to the fact that, well, I'm getting older, I'm not married, I'm just going to settle for less. Do not settle for less than what Christ has for you. And that's not Joel Osteen, health, wealth, prosperity, junk. That is the Bible. Look, there's a lot of neat Christian boys out there, ladies, and you'll meet them when you go to college, if you haven't already. And there's a lot of them, but they're not godly men. They're just boys who are doing things just to get someone. And we are working our tails off here at this church as we can to raise up young men to love Jesus more than anything. That is our goal. 
but don't settle because it's better that you're lonely now than you'll be married and lonely later. Do you see what I'm saying? Are you, are you tracking with me on that? Ladies, be very careful. It is better that you be lonely now than you get married to a man that will teach your kids everything but the way of Jesus Christ. I hope you see that. I hope you see that. See, Darren, how does all this relate to Romans 8, 29? I'm here to tell you, if you're in a difficult marriage, stick it out. You often see the sun when the darkest is the dark, right? That is very true biblically as well. Friends, trust that God is there. Look, marriage is a gift of God. It is a foundational gift of God. God's design is for marriage for one woman for life, one man for life. And Jesus acknowledges that we live in a fallen world and divorce will happen, but no divorce is ever necessary, though it may be occasionally permissible, as we talked about last week. To divorce one's mate, to have that damage is damage to the gospel. Be very careful. Before you give advice to that friend who asks you, should I divorce this person, be very careful. Do you see how high a calling this thing of marriage we have is? I hope you see that today. Look, it's a tough issue, isn't it? It's a very tough issue. Church, I encourage us to pray through this week for husbands, for wives, for future husbands, for future wives, for those who've been divorced, for those who have been remarried. And uh, I'll put out a summary statement of this whole study in like 10 sentences here that later this week somewhere in St. Louis. I'll do that. I'll put it up on the website. It'll be on the website, Facebook email. But I want to encourage you today, if you're married, is it hard for you? Yes. But God is greater than all of our sin, and he's working all things for your good, even in the difficulty of your marriage. God is good. Amen. Let's go before the word as we pray.